to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh hey, hey, if you are obedient you are calling the bible alaba shake bredo sokono hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing the light if the light goes on it's not enough it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines it shines no my light will not just go on hora basaka la mashida bahaya mambro do sagida haya no my light will not just go on it's not enough that you clear you have to be excellent your light no 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 it's, it's not enough that you look before and he has put all the everybody that uh is watching it's good to see you again uh it's good for you to see me again <laughs> but i believe you're also watching and uh you're following everything that's going on uh from the opening remarks the intercession the praise and worship the ministering songs now we're about to get into the word um Let us pray. Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We thank you for your presence and your glory. We thank you that you're moving amongst us in the name of Jesus. Now, I want you to if you can stand where you are, I want you to stand. And I want you to lift one of your hands and we're going to pray. Today as believers, we are going to stand on the word of God and we're going to pray. I'm going to decree and declare that the power of God will begin to be seen in the results that the COVID-19 will be totally wiped out. The Bible says when Jesus Christ was experiencing his trials that Jesus Christ went back and prayed the third time using using the same words that he he, he used before. and sometimes it requires that we pray consistently and the more we do it the more the results we are getting i want us to pray where you are in the name of jesus we cancel the sickness we cancel the disease we cancel fear in the name of jesus begin to pray where you are in the mighty name of jesus let's agree together by the power of the holy spirit we resist the spirit of sickness in africa in our nation zambia we decree and declare that it is dying down completely being wiped off the face of the earth we release angelic activity by the power of the holy ghost rekosoko to prakadasha we pray for those that are in the borders in nakonde 
In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, every other border, Rokonsta le brekende le besheke de bregedo shaka de brakatije, li pasaka bariaka zote bregedosha. We decree and declare by the power of the Spirit of God that that disease and that infection, COVID-19, has no place in our land. In the name of Jesus, we resist it totally. We release grace. We release the healing power of God in isolation centers. We decree and declare that this week, there's going to be a massive recovery. Everybody that has been sick, we release massive recovery. We decree and declare not any more person dying by the power of the Holy Spirit. We decree and declare a seal to the deaths by the power of the Holy Ghost. And we decree and declare, let there be mass recoveries in the name of Jesus. Quick recoveries by the power of the Spirit of God. We release grace for those that are in the front lines. And we decree and declare they are protected and they are, and they are, and they are, and they are safe. They are preserved. And we decree and declare we take back our nation. We take back our economy. We take back our normal life by the power of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we receive our normal life by the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I won't say much about this issue for now. Uh, meet me on Wednesday if you want to hear my views on some of these things. Uh, but for now, we're just going to go straight into the Word of God. And I hope you're ready, because I'm very ready for you. Okay, so last week we were looking at the cost of a missed instruction. The cost of a missed instruction. And today we're just going to go a little bit more into it. And um, today I'm going to try to show you that whatever God instructs us, the interesting thing is, it's for our good. Okay, so last week we were looking at the cost of misinstruction and specifically we were looking at the consequences or ramifications, outcomes, uh, that come as a result of not following what God instructs us to do. And I went on to tell you that when you are dealing with authority, it's important that you honor authority by following and obeying the instructions that an authority gives you. It's interesting that one of the easiest ways to look down on an authority or to insult an authority, to disrespect an authority, is to not follow what the authority has set out to be error. You can see this everywhere in the government. When you break the law, there's a way that authorities will come at you. Because one way to honor any authority is to obey instructions. But it's the same also when it comes to dealing with God. One way in which we show that we are honoring authorities by obeying instructions. We began by looking at different dimensions of the word of God. And we looked at a dimension of the word of God called the instructions of God. And how important they are. Okay, So we went on also to discuss that sometimes the ability of an individual to obey godly instructions that are in the word of God is dependent on their understanding of the righteousness of God. And so our scripture uh, for this cause was from the book of Romans chapter number 1 verse 16 which says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So in the word of God, 
the righteousness of God is revealed as we move on from understanding the word of God, as we move from faith to faith, our understanding of the righteousness of God, okay, begins to increase. Our understanding of the righteousness of God begins to increase the more we expose ourselves to the word of God. Type hallelujah. hallelujah. That's very important. Why? Because sometimes people only disobey to the extent that they don't understand what it means that a righteous God has instructed them. Because the source of the instruction also determines the righteousness of the instruction. It is so right that it can't be wrong, that if we disobey it, it will work against us. It's not from a faulty place like a normal human being who can tell you something when they actually meant a different thing. And their instruction and their word does not even carry power. But when God gives us an instruction, we're looking at the nature of the source of the instruction, being God himself. The Bible says he dwells in inapproachable light and is God who is glorious in all things. The Bible says righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So when he releases an instruction in his word as he's talking to us, when he tells us something to do, not only should we obey it because of the nature of the place from which that instruction comes, but also the status of the word. That word carries power. That instruction carries power. So when we do not obey, it's like when the Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter number 55 verse 8, see, it begins to talk about how our ways are not his ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts. Then he says, for as far as the earths are above the heavens, so are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your ways. And then he says, the same way that it snows or rains and does not go back, but it waters whatever it's supposed to water on the earth, so is my word which comes from my mouth. He says, it shall not return unto me void. That means that's not just a normal word. It's not just a normal instruction. The Bible describes it as living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword and goes to the dividing line of the spirit and the soul and the joint and the marrow and is a designer of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And nothing, verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 4, <laughs> is hidden before him to whom we shall all give accounts. That's the nature of the word. That means that word is alive. That's the logos. See, it's alive. And one side of it is called the instructions of God. That means if we do not follow them, it works against us. Type, I hear you, pastor. I hear you, pastor. Okay. And so another scripture we looked at was Hebrews number 6, uh, verse 18, basically, which discusses the infallibility or immutability of God. And then... It's talking about how Abraham got to obey God and what prompted Abraham to obey God. Okay? The Bible says, Obedient from 16, For men indeed swear by greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. And then verse 17 says, Thus God determining to show more abundantly to their heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Remember the example I gave you. It is impossible for God to tell a lie. In John chapter number 8, the Lord Jesus Christ begins to describe the devil. And he says, 
In him is no truth. And he is incapable of telling the truth. The word incapability there means deprived of ability to. It's like the way we cannot think that this puppet can start eating. Eka candy. You buy eka candy. And you give this puppet. Then you find eka mouth here. <laughs> and he begins eating. Just imagine that. It sounds like a joke. Okay? In the same way. In the same way. It's impossible for the enemy to tell the truth. He cannot tell the truth. It's not in him. That ability to tell the truth was taken away from him. And the Bible says, the Lord Jesus Christ goes on to say, when he lies, he speaks his native language. The language that comes naturally to him. And that word language does not mean speech, basically. Because speech is merely a fruit of language. Normally when we're discussing language, it's code of thought. So it's the way he thinks. He thinks in the algorithm of lies. His DNA is filled with lies. He cannot tell the truth. He's divisive like that. In the same way, God who is righteous has a DNA within him which is incapable of telling a lie. Because even if God said, not if God lied, please don't think that's what I'm saying. Even if God said what you thought wasn't, it has to change to become what he said is so that it can be established or it can merely be proved that God cannot lie. Type hallelujah. God cannot lie. So the Bible says God took an oath on the fact that it is impossible for him to lie. It's impossible. It's impossible. God is incapable within himself of telling a lie. This is, this is very important for us because this is what prompts our faith. The Bible says Abraham, believing that he who promised was able also to fulfill. Why was he able to believe in God despite the 25 years? Because it's impossible for God to lie. I want you to say, it's impossible for God to lie. I believe in his word. Nali kelala that should be our song. Okay? So, we went on to explain a number of things. Uh, and, and if a God who is incapable of lying, or a God who is incapable of telling uh, otherwise things, gives you an instruction, and that instruction is also living and active and has got power, then it's only to our advantage for us to obey and to follow him. Because the moment we do, and only do we disrespect him, it begins to work against us. Hallelujah. Now, as we, as we went on, we looked at a number of examples that told us different stories of people who were given instructions by God. Remember, we looked at Moses. Moses was told by God what to do. But when Moses was told by God what to do, he did otherwise. God told him to speak to the rock. He struck it twice. The water still came out. But that was still disobedience. And I remember telling you that just because it works does not mean God approves of it. I was talking to a few uh, of our people in church, ministers. Okay? And I was showing them something. I was telling them, if this is also very true for ministry. And I was telling them, if People outside the ministry are benefiting from your gift more than the people within the church. 
You are abusing the anointing. You are going beyond the instructions. And just because it is working does not mean God approves of it. See? And I'm not saying you cannot minister outside. I'm just saying, do not forget where God called you specifically. Why do you want to go out and be the main man of God in the States <laughs> when you've not been able to preach to people in your class, in your village, in your environment, to which God called you? The people that are very readily available. And God has not even sent you out. Even when God was sending them, Jesus Christ was sending them to go and preach. He was telling them, you know, he gave them specific instruction. He told them, go to the lost sheep of Israel. They were not supposed to go anywhere else yet. They were just supposed to go. Very in, and then in ministry and in personal anointings, instructions are very key. What God tells you to do and how God inspires you is what, not what you see everybody doing out there. Because everybody is doing a YouTube page and doing positive energy, then you should also start. Okay? Just because someone preached in the club and sang, then you should also go. You should know exactly what God is telling you to do. It's very key. And some of you must not leave the things that God has been inspiring you to do. I'll, I'll talk about that in time. But in ministry, it's very important to know exactly how God called you. And what God is leading you to. There's a story of a man named Kenneth Hagin who was a prophet and a teacher. But he started calling himself a teacher who was a prophet. Especially with anointings. You should be very careful. So one time he fell on the floor and he broke his arm. So they took him to the hospital. But he noticed that the arm was not getting healed after some time. That the doctor said he should get cured. So he was wondering what's happening. Then one day Jesus Christ walks in his room. I know we should all have those experiences. Jesus walks in his room and he begins to tell him, oh, the reason why that is taking long is because you started giving yourself an anointing I have not given you. So, uh, as a result, that pain will not leave you the rest of your life. It will be a, a reminder of who you are. So don't call yourself what you are not given. So especially with anointings, it's very key. It's very key to know exactly what God has called you to be. Uh, because it will make you a success. This is how come people normally go out doing things in ministry because when God calls you into ministry, that anointing can sustain you. God knows how to keep his own. God knows how he takes care of people that he has called. I'm not saying every time you have struggled then God has not called you. But I can also tell you that a lot of times struggle is a sign that maybe you have missed an instruction. That's very important. Okay? Type, I'm obedient to divine instructions. In ministry, it is very key to know exactly what God has told you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Samson was told, him, his powers don't cut your hair. The moment that Samson, Samson will do so many wrong things, <laughs> but his instruction is don't cut your hair. The moment that his hair was cut, that's how his anointing was cut off. Can you imagine? The moment he cut his hair, he became a very normal human being. And the spirit had left him. And he thought he was the same old Samson with power. When he shook himself to see if the thing would work, nothing was happening. He was just flabby like this. <laughs> it wasn't working. See? So you have to know 
what God wants you to do. That's called obeying the will of God. Knowing the times, obeying the will of God. It's very important. I've noticed people, God sends them to a church to be under a pastor. But because, and they are doing fine. Let's say they are getting 6,000 or something. Then the moment they hear, in Chulungombe, there's a job that will be giving you 9,000. For 3,000, they leave that place and they go to another place. And I've seen people finish. Because for money, they left a place of instruction. And you also must know that in obeying divine direction, and direction is a form of an instruction, there's divine provision. Look at the case of Elijah. When God told him to leave the brook because there was no more food and go to Zarephath where God had commanded the widow, he found food. See that? Also, when God told him to leave where he was to go to the brook, he found food. So, every time we yield to divine instruction, we, um, we make ourselves amenable to divine provision. Because God will not fund a project he didn't start. So, that in my projects you are starting, make sure God is involved in them. Okay. Now, I just want to show you one or two scriptures today that just emphasize the same thing. For example, I want us to look at 1 Samuel chapter number 15. 1 Samuel, the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 15. I want you to type, I am obedient to divine instruction. I'll, I'll read uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 15. Verse 1, and then I'll skip to verse 7 after I read verse 3. One day, NLT, Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people, Israel. Now listen to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. So this guy is actually listening to God. And through his prophet, and God is giving him an instruction. He says, this is what the Lord of angel heaven armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. And let me just say this. There are some countries who God one day will settle accounts with them for some of the wrong things they are doing. But I'll end there. I believe a time will come when God will punish nations okay so it goes on to say now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation men women children babies woo, cattle sheep goats camels and donkeys this is God talking to him the Bible says so so mobilize this army I tell him there were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. So he organizes them. I want us to jump to verse 7 now. The Bible says, Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from the Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Listen to this. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and the goat. 
the cattle and the fat calves and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. Remember what God said? What did God say? Destroy everything, men, women, babies, beasts, animals, donkeys, everything, houses, just destroy everything. But then when they went, they saw some dumb things. You know, when, and, and, and listen to this, when God sends people, it's just, it's always one thing. When we read the Bible, this is important. Whenever, you notice every time that God sends people out to do specific things, distractions are the ones that take them off the will of God. It's always an issue of things. It's always an issue of things. And, 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 and you constantly see this in the scriptures. Look at Achan. Remember the guy we were reading about last week? God told them to go and destroy everything. Him is all to my things and kept. Things. Remember the issue of, uh, uh, of Samson. It was a girl who distracted him. Things. It's always an issue of things. Things seem to have this. Even these guys, Venezuela, they were properly instructed to go and destroy everything. <clears throat> but when they reached there, things. Beware of things. And a lot of times, this is what makes Christians be, be, be taken away from the will of God. The Bible says, some fell on thorns. Some of the seed fell on thorns. But when it began to grow, it was choked by the worries and concerns of this life. Focus. I want you to type, I'm focused. I'm focused. Things. Things of this world. Remember what the Bible says in 1 first, in first, in first John 2. It says, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. Should focus. And, and, and you know, sometimes it's easy to say, oh yes, I'm focused, until you are given things. There are things for finding, there are, then there are things for being given. The people who, they were okay, the moment they entered the relationship, the relationship entered them. And they became all about the relationship. And when they were very prayerful, the moment they got a job, they can't find themselves praying. It's easier to say, oh, yeah, yes, yes, preach, pastor, until maybe they give you things. <laughs> and sometimes you never know that you've grown spiritually or you've not grown spiritually until you're exposed to things. You know, there are times when I buy some things, and, and, and I was telling someone, I buy something or I get something or I have something, and then the following day, there's no consciousness of me in my head that I actually own something as big as that. That's when I know I've grown spiritually. But there are people who, who once they do this, they can't even sleep. Oh, my job. <laughs> oh, my marriage. Mm -hmm. Following after the man, following after the girl, because she said yes. She was a girl of your dreams. She said yes. Now you have to divide your time. And after you spend all your energy talking to this girl, you can't even pray the way you used to pray. And these same people, Mama, change them to what? <laughs> they change, yes. They change. They're surprised. You thought she was the girl of your dreams. 
Guys, she was a girl of your nightmares now. Is that freak you out? Things! The Bible says, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. First John 2. Let me just read it. Isn't it interesting what we are noticing from the word of God? It says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. You know what the love of the Father does? It deprives you of the desire for things. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see. The pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that is in the world along with everything that people crave but anyone who does what pleases god will live forever shout i do the will of god, will the will of god. this is the stuff i'm trying to show you i mean i've seen people the moment that they became a lawyer yeah why are you going to sleep <laughs> you won't sleep they've graduated the whole village must know and i'm not saying you shouldn't be happy <laughs> Why is it you? Where for two days your graduation gown going round? <laughs> Afraiding everyone. That's to mean scaring everyone. So, I'm just telling you, it's always an issue of things. They, they, when God was speaking, they said, yes. Can you imagine the devil also tried to tempt Jesus with things? He said, worship me, I'll give you things. That's the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world always tries to get you to succeed by giving you things. But success is not in things. He says, if you worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms and the glory, the glory thereof because they were delivered unto me. And then, boom, Jesus Christ saw the vision and was like, wow. But he just said, mm, no, I already have them. It was written of me, I'm not interested. You have to have an I'm not interested attitude. I want you to type I'm not interested. Just type that. Mm -hmm. Not interested. But yeah, you have to sometimes say I'm not interested. Try to make him have things. It's the spirit of the world. When God was telling them, go and clear everything, they said, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Means God is speaking. Yes, Jesus. For your glory. <laughs> That's why maybe some people should be sent into the villages to preach the gospel. Not in town. Because when they go in town, <laughs> things. Because the Bible says, go ye to the ends of the earth. So maybe some of you, these nations you are seeing could be nations of Chiminalwafu village. Nations of carpenters and farmers there. Even they need the gospel. Yes, Lord. But when they reached there, they saw things. Oh, sword. Listen to how it ended. Ah. Then the Lord said to Samuel, hmm. let me, let me, let me, the NLT says, I am sorry that I ever made so king. God felt sorry that he had made, he, he, he regretted the idea, the KJV, 
Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, It repenteth me that I have set up so to be king. That's, a, that's still a little bit blind. Um, but let's look at it from maybe the NKJV. This is perfect. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up so as king. Those are the words coming from God. Imagine God saying, I greatly regret that I allowed those two into that relationship. Imagine God saying, I greatly regret that I gave her that money. I gave her that job. I gave him that job. I greatly regret that I gave him access to all those nations. I greatly regret that I gave her an opportunity to be in the government or him an opportunity to be in the government. They, buy my, they forget. God made so king so that he could obey him and do his will. Him, he even went to do his own. His will be done. That was the issue with Esther. She was warned that just because you are in the palace does not mean you are safe. If you do not help the Jews, help for the Jews will come elsewhere. But as for you and your house, you will perish. They give you a position you've forgotten. You're now saying, ah, all, all Christians, all believers should not do this, should not do this. Because now you are, you are what? You are in power. You have a position in a big workplace. And you are the first one to say, all that Christians do is pray. They don't even work hard. It's not just about prayer, it's about hard work. Yes, we know you have the word of God, but you even have the guts to... And sometimes the way we talk, we give power to unbelievers to exaggerate some of these things. You, the same job you got was after prayer and fasting and sowing seeds. Now you want to start giving us wisdom. Anyways, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up so as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my instructions. Seeing that? Are you following? That's sad. That's sad. Samuel was deeply moved when he heard this, and he cried out to the Lord the whole night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, Saul went to town of Carmel to set up a monument for himself because he had defeated them by his own power. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. He's even greeting the man of God cheerfully. Eh? <laughs> May the Lord bless you. He's blessing the man of God. He said... I have carried out the Lord's instruction. <laughs> then the man of God asked, Then what is this all the bleating of sheep and goats and the, the lowing of cattle that I hear? Someone demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats and cattle, so admitted. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord. We have destroyed everything else. In other words, God should even be grateful because we are giving him those same things. If ever make people who've given and they want the church to be grateful, I give a lot in this church, the church should be grateful. God should be grateful for the blessing he has given you. 
You see, the anointing does not lack. Always remember that. Mm -hmm. The anointing does not lack. You do not give to the anointing because it is lacking. The anointing does not lack. The ground does not lack. It's your need that makes you so into it. It may look like it doesn't have, but it has no need of it. The ground does not lack. But when you put in the ground, you are the one who gets a multiplied fold of the blessing. The anointing does not lack. We don't give to the anointing because it is lacking. It's our benefit. So every time you give to the man of God, every time you give to ministry, even if you notice that there was a need that was met by your giving, don't say, oh, yeah, we gave. The anointing does not lack. Don't you know that you always give to God? Because every giving you do to the work of God or to the man of God, you are giving to God. You are in fact giving to God. The anointing does not lack. The Lord sent you on a mission and told you to go and completely destroy the sinners until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and not what was evil and, 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 and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, so insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back in Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought the best of the sheep and goats and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgo. <laughs> so someone, God got his kingdom. God got the kingdom from someone said, I found a man after my own heart, not this man. And the spirit of the Lord left him, and an evil spirit began to torment him. I want you to type, I am obedient to divine instruction. Type, I'm obedient to divine instruction. I am obedient to divine instruction. So, I said one of the best ways to show dishonor to authorities is to not take their instructions as they were given. There's always a ramification. Learn a new way, eh? ramification. It means consequences. So next time you find your boyfriend, tell him, you know there are ramifications to this kind of behavior. Then when he says, ah, oh, what do you mean you say? Tell him, oh, it means consequences. Okay. All right. Now, I want us to look at one more scripture. That's 2 Kings chapter number 13. Twenda na yesu. Twenda na yesu. Twenda na yesu. Hallelujah. Amen. Second Kings of number 13, and we're going to look at verse 14. The Bible says, when Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows because he was in danger. So he needed help. And most of the times when they were 
in need of help, they would go to the prophets. So he went to look for a prophet and he found Elisha. But Elisha was sick already. So he's trying to tell him how to, how to be victorious. Okay? So the Bible says, Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha, and Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hand. Then he commanded, open that eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, shoot, so that he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the grounds three times. But the man of God was angry with him. He should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then he would have beaten the, the uh, arm until it was entirely destroyed. Now he will be victorious only three times. So the instruction is pick. You see, sometimes people who do not understand, and this is very important, People who do not understand the purpose of physical acts and their interpretation and implications in the realm of the spirit, nobody feel like there's no need to do some of those things. This man was given a prophetic instruction to do, and the instruction was to take a bow and arrow and to shoot it towards the eastern window. And he was told, he was even given a hint to say, look, because you've done this, you utterly destroy them, because that is the arrow of the Lord. But you know, when people have no reverence, when they are profane, they look at some of the spiritual acts that you do, and they wonder if it is necessary. Like the way that Naaman wanted, uh, 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 like, like, like the way that Naaman, <laughs> you remember Naaman who only wanted the man to lift his hands or to come and wave his hands so that it works. At least it shows you that that man had respect for some of those things which they did. Do you remember that when Moses was praying, he, when, when the Israelites were fighting in a battle, Moses lifted his hands. And as Moses, can you imagine just lifting his hands and they were, and they were winning? But when Moses' hand dropped, they began to lose. But someone would watch that and say, oh, what's the use of that? So there are certain things which are called prophetic instructions. Sometimes we're in church like this. Before I get to that, let me explain this. So the man of God tells him, now pick up all the balls and strike as much as you want. Him, he takes three and strikes one. And he's thinking, what is this? Two. Three. And he thinks, ah, I'm done. And guess what? That's how he fulfilled his victory. So people who do not have respect for prophetic acts or acts in the physical that have an interpretation and implication in the spirit normally miss divine instructions. And why do we lift up our hands when we are praying? Do you know what the physical act of getting your money and giving for offering does for you? Those are spiritual acts. You do them physically, but they are spiritual and they've got an implication in the spirit. So that's exactly how you should understand these things mean. And those are instructions that God has given you. Do you know the physical act of cleaning the church and lifting chairs, what it can do for you? Do you know what it means to come and do all this deco and do all this work, doing it for the Lord? All those acts you are doing when God instructs you to serve Him are working for you. 
That's why you just don't sit. Everybody is worshiping, lifting their hands. The Bible says, I pray that all men everywhere would worship God, lifting up holy hands. Type, I'm obedient. So that's how he missed it. He was taught to strike, he struck thrice, he was like, what is this? Do you remember Esau? The guy had no regard for spiritual signs and, and things that were supposed to be done. So, don't be like Saul or Esau. He ate, he ate beans and lost his birthright because he thought it's just. Those are the funny things that also people do because they lack reverence and they're disobeying divine instruction and they lose out. Now, we are quickly going to look at uh, certain things. We are go quickly going to look at we are quickly going to look at certain things that you know when you read the Bible, you are going to discover that everything that God does or every instruction that God gives us is for our benefit. When we talk about God instructing us, it's not just an issue of, oh yeah, so that I can show that I've got power and I'm the God here. No, everything that God tells us to do is for our benefit. For example, when the Bible instructs you to put on the full armor of God, think of it, God is telling you, put on the full armor of God. Even says, so that you may be able to withstand him in the evil day, the enemy. So there's nothing that God ever tells you to do that is not for your benefit. Everything that God ever tells you to do is for your benefit. Every single thing that God ever tells you to do, that God ever does for you or tells you to do, is for your benefit. You do not wear the full armor of God. You do not put on the helmet of salvation. You are the one who is going to be destroyed in the head. The breastplate of righteousness, you are the one who catch a cord, <laughs> spiritual cord. Because you are not dressed, the belt of truth, you are the one who walk around with your clothes falling, who gets embarrassed. So when God says to do something, it is for our benefit. I want you to type it for my benefit. Now, I want you to look at something as we are coming to a close. For example, scriptures, there are a number of scriptures that instruct us to love okay a number of scriptures instruct us to love for example jesus christ is talking in the book of john chapter number 13 verses, verses 34 and he says a new commandment i give unto you that you love one another as i have loved you you also love one another now look at this Jesus is giving them a new instruction and tells them, I'm giving you a new instruction. Either this man is totally out of his mind or he knows something because there's no way he can come from nowhere. There is a Ten Commandments and he starts telling you, He must know what he's talking about. You must know exactly what you're talking about to completely shift the whole new norm. And tell you to say something new and tell you we're replacing that and giving in this one. And this is Jesus. He's God the word himself. So he's interpreting the whole lot of the Torah into two. 
And the first one he says, love one another. Okay? He says, a new command I give unto you that you love one another as I also loved you. Why is the New Testament replete with scriptures that consistently tell us to love one another? It's what I'm trying to show you. Okay. He also says, that's in 1 Peter 4 verse 8. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love covers a multitude of, of things. Imagine it says, above all things. Above prayer. Above your knowledge of the word of God. It's above all. There's a reason why. First John chapter number 4. Now, if you would know... First John is my favorite book in the New Testament. I love this book. You should read it sometime. It moves me. And my favorite book in the Old Testament is the book of Psalms. <laughs> okay. Just want to share that with you. First John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So a person who loves is born of God and knows God. You can't know God and not love. That's basically what he's trying to say. Hallelujah. I want us to look at another scripture from... This, these are punchline scriptures now we're going to look at. <laughs> punchline scripture. Look at this. First John chapter number 2. Verse 9. Listen to this. This is powerful. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. You see why the scripture is consistently telling you to love? Because when you love, you live in the light. If you don't learn to love people, you live in the darkness. Not this zestful darkness. No. Darkness of the heart. The darkness of hell. The darkness of not knowing God. If you do not have love, then your heart has not been illuminated yet with the life of God. Huh? That's dangerous. That's serious. That's serious. Look at that. He goes on to say, He who loves his brother abides in light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Huh? The reason why a lot of people stumble and sin is because the love of God is not in their hearts. And that sin is what causes them, causes them to move out of light and live in darkness. So the moment you begin saying there are some people you don't like, you hate some people, you are keeping offenses, you are no longer living in light, you begin living in darkness. And that's how people now begin to open ways to demonic spirits to work in their lives. That's a story for another day. The Bible goes on to say, But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Far be it from you that you walk in darkness. Mm -hmm. 
I'm going to read one more. I'm going to read for you one more. This is like the punchline of the punchlines. <laughs> this is like that scripture. So the reason why when we read a lot of scriptures, especially in the Gospels, Jesus Christ is constantly commanding us to love. Commanding us to love one another. I give you this new commandment. Love one another. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And love God. Why we must constantly, why God is instructing us to be filled with love, for example, that's just one of the instructions, is so that we can live in life. Look at First John chapter number 3. It says, we know that we are passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Oh, oh. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Oh. If you do not love, you are dead. If you do not love others, if you do not walk, that's why love is powerful. Can you, look, we are saying this is a matter of life and death. That's serious. Have you seen how people have been locked down in, in countries? Because it's a matter of life and death. There's a struggle between life and livelihood. Should we lock people up and save them? Or should we let them go out and live but they may still die? It's a struggle. It's an issue. It's a matter of life and death. That's what the Bible is also trying to tell us. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother lives in death. So when God tells you, love everyone, even that one, yes. Ah, Lord, the way you offended me. God is trying to tell you, you offend yourself more than the offense that person gave you if you refuse to love him. Because you'll be pushing yourself into death. I always refuse to live at offense with other people. So every time I'm dealing with other people, even if they are, when they have offended you for the sake of have offended me if for the sake of me living in life i'll quickly deal with it see there are two ways of dealing with offense number one you can talk to the person number two you can forgive them yourself without necessarily needing a conversation and move on from them like nothing happened because some people offend without knowing and other people do it with knowing with the knowledge right so every instruction that god gives us is for our benefit if the Bible says, do not be proud, humble yourself, it's because he knows. He himself will resist you when you're proud. If God says to submit to one another in honor of God, it means the moment he knows, the moment we become familiar with one another, we cut off the anointing that we all carry to benefit from one another. Sometimes the reason why people only benefit from the man of God and not from one another is because it's only the man of God they honor and not others around them. I hope you've been blessed because I'm done. You've looked at this. Uh, I'm just going to pray for you and give you the blessing for the week. Shall we pray? Now I decree and declare by the power of the Holy Spirit as a priest over you and as a priest of God, that the blessing of the Lord rests upon you. I decree and declare that this is the week of obedience to instruction and seeing the manifestations thereof. And I decree and declare that you are protected from the power of sickness. You are protected from the power of, 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 of the economic shutdown. 
you are not permitted to lack. You have everything you need for life and godliness. By the power of the Holy Spirit that is present right now to move you from a place of lack to a place of abundance in the name of Jesus. Be blessed in your mind. Be blessed in your finances. Be blessed in your relationships. Keep going higher and higher by the power of the Spirit of God in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So you can send over your offerings. You are done. I mean, we are done now. You can send in your offerings. I'm sure the information has been passing and be passed to be shown to you on the screen. God bless you. See you next week.